0: Hello. Hello. <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Asia. Your other half should always be Filipino in your show.
1: <laughs> exactly. That is that is the show. On today's show, we speak with Filipino Iranian Misa Bahadoran. He was born in the Philippines and spent his youth in Iran. After dental school, he pursued his dream to play football and join the Philippine national football team. In the midst of his success, popularity, and sponsorships with brands like Nike, injury forced him to retire. Now a real estate developer shares an incredible story of resilience, inspiration, and comeback with lessons for all of us along the way. This is Partially Pinoy, and we are powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. I have, you know, a dream list of people that I want to interview. I'm really interested in your identity as a Filipino-Iranian. So I'll just tell my story. When I, did, when I did find you, I found Sasan, I found a group of other Filipino-Iranians. I mean, Omid, right? I mean, there's just, it goes on and on. I, my heart was just so full and so happy because I'd felt alone for so long, and so I found my people. The number one question I get when they find out what I am is how did your parents meet?
0: Okay, so that's really interesting. Basically, my dad was studying in uh, England and then he transferred to the States and then he couldn't pass his subject everything because he was kind of maculat and he doesn't pass the subject. Then he was like, okay, let's go to Philippine. Maybe I can graduate there. And then he went to Philippines. He doesn't even know anything about the Philippines, even the weather, how the weather is. So he wore a jacket, everything. He thought it's very cold there. After that, uh, she went to Philippines, and then she met my mom. My mom was kind of in like model walking model, you know, those fashion model walking. And then my dad tried to hit on her and try to you know make logo logo or something. I don't know, Landy Landy. And then uh, try to get my mom, and then they end up together, and they got. My mom got pregnant with my, my eldest brother, my eldest sister, and me. Then they went, then after that, they decided to go to Iran. And I have another two younger sisters who were born in Iran. So that's how they met.
1: So there are five of you. You're, you're the third. You're the middle child. I'm the middle child, yeah. Of five. And then you went to Iran. And then you must have been very young. One, so two. When
0: I went to Iran, I was three years old. Two, okay. Three years.
1: So limited Tagalog at that point. Um, nothing. Tagalog. Nothing. And your parents spoke English to each other because my parents spoke English to each other.
0: Yes. But when, and, I was already, when I was already six, seven years old, or five, six, seven or eight years old, I never remember that my mom speak Tagalog anymore or English. They speak Farsi. Your but
1: mom. But I, I still,
0: I, yeah. I still I talk to my mom Farsi. She doesn't speak English or Tagalog to us. No way! Yes.
1: Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So my mom is Iranian, but she lived in the Philippines for 14 years, and she speaks Tagalog perfectly. Then she has all these Iranian sisters who lived with us in the Philippines, and they speak Tagalog perfectly. So when we're around Philip, mm-hmm. yeah, when we're around Filipinos, I, I, I automatically hear my aunt say Hamshari, Hamshari, and then we're when we're around Persians because there are a lot of Persians in LA. I'll hear them say, Kababayan. And uh, you were there until the age of 17, from what I gather, yes. right? And so, where did you live in Iran?
0: I grew up in Mirdamat, called Naft. There was a street called Naft. Everybody in Iran, they know okay. where Mirdamat is. It's linear Jordan and it's between there. So, I okay. studied there until 17. And then, yeah, and I've been very immaculate boy. So, uh, I was naughty boy. My dad wanted doesn't want me. Me to become football player, so he said you have to go to Iran and become dentist or something like medical course. And he doesn't even want me to become like in, into construction or real 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 estate, like a architect or engineer or something. So he really wanted to me to take medical course. Then he sent sent me to Philippines to just become a doctor. So that's it.
1: And then, how did it feel being half Filipino? in Iran, because every time I go to Iran, you know, it's something that's interesting to the Persians, but it's not necessarily valued.
0: Of course, when you're in high school or you're in like elementary or pre-high school, you people are start making fun of you because of your mom it looks like a hey, Japanese. A lot of us, we had this problem, especially. People when we get together and I don't really look like a Filipino Filipino but still I was like people are making fun of me like hey look at your eyes look at your face blah 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 and you look like Afghan people I said I don't it doesn't matter you know as long as you know We are here. We are all the same doesn't matter because you're this you're handsome. Everybody has his own beauty and but to be honest, I didn't really have hard time there because you know, Iranian, they're very friendly. There are, and I have this friendly, it's all about you, how to react about it. You know, sometimes you have to make the haters your best friends. So eventually, if you can deal with it, eventually they were the one who will regret about that. So I really enjoyed Iran, and I, especially the food was perfect. The weather was perfect. You know, the culture, I like their culture of some part which is about respect, the what's the hospitality.
1: And then you had a tragedy in your life when you were young, and this had to do with your brother. And this, you know, kind of shaped how your father thought of um, what your career should be related to soccer, do soccer and not do soccer. How old were you when your brother got into the accident?
0: I was like seven, 18,
1: 17 18. You were 1718. So that's around so that's right before you came to the Philippines. Yeah,
0: Two years before I come to Philippines like 16 17 I was 16 17 years.
1: Old. And do do you feel like that event I mean it affected you directly because it you know made your father want you to be a dentist and have a safe path and not be a football player. But how how do you now when you think about that event how does it strengthen you how does it push you
0: you know what happened to all my life was when of course i was really out of football i never thought of football anymore i just don't wanted to play football because i just wanted to graduate something and then uh, eventually because we had this family problem like you know in life you never know from living in mir Dama, being like a, you know decent rich not let's say wealthy, okay family, and then everything collapsed. So everything yeah. collapsed, the situation that the only way I thought I can survive and help these families to play football. And then that's one of the reason I choose to play football to just build my future and to help my family. Cause I couldn't think of another way to make money. Cause in the, after I got gr- about to graduate, I don't have any money to support myself, and then like my dad said, look Misak, I can't pay you anymore for your education.
1: Where Um, did you live when you came to the Philippines all by yourself?
0: Actually, it's really difficult, like long story, but very hard story because I went, we had a house here in Philippines, in province. It was uh, a bonded house. So basically there's no glass, no nothing. So it's just one room was with a roof, the rest of the house, no roof. So I used to live in one of those rooms without glass. So what I did, I covered them with the plastic. So the water doesn't come to bed. And then there was um mice in my room. Sometimes I have to catch them with the hand. It was a really difficult time. But even though my dad was asking, Are you okay there? I was like, Yeah, it's so good, you know. And then the the thing that people they think I mean brought, they thought in I mean like to New York or somewhere I'm having life. I mean, I never complain until my sister comes and then see me. And then she kind of slapped me and said, why you didn't tell your dad and mom, this is how you live. And I said, I'm not a kid. You know, I don't want to put pressure on family for what? And then my salary was my, my salary allowance was $1 a day. That's how I built personality myself. That I came to country that I don't even speak English. English culture nothing alone. So basically it was a really difficult time Then if I tell you my difficult time is really diff- you know, you will go long conversation Which I don't want to give you a headache basically then when I graduate I went to Manila then Yeah, I stay with my sister. She my sister comes to study optometrist. now. She's in Canada She's a doctor of optometrist. with my brother-in-law. They're both doctors working Canada, my other sister, are doctor of dentistry, they graduated also, but they're working in real estate. My brother is like home, sick. And then my mom, and then my dad just passed away four years ago.
1: Coming up, we'll learn why Misar never gave up, even when the world seemed to cave around him.
0: I almost give up i was in the point that i wanted even to jump up from the building or something and then i was like when i was thinking of that i said myself you've been through shit and do not this, this is you don't gonna give up the good things gonna happen so uh, i went to manila so I, somebody took my money stole all my money. So also like this so what i did i got depressed kind of then i started to smash the wall myself so then I told, I had like a like few thousand dollars left. That was do or die.
1: This show is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia, powered by Podmetrics. Podmetrics takes care of the details so we can focus on making the best content for you. Visit podmetrics.co and sign up for free. Use code PARTIALLYPINOY. That's amazing. You know, and this this, you know, for for me, being half Filipino, half Iranian, I feel very accepted by the Filipinos. Filipinos are amazing, amazing people, but I don't feel completely Filipino. And I love the Iranians, you know, Persians are amazing, but I don't feel completely Persian either. You know, how do you live in the middle there between these two cultures that of course they accept you, but you're not feeling like you're either one. 100 percent.
0: So when I see I come to Philippines and I see how simple people are they wear sleepers they don't care if you're football players doesn't matter what car you're driving because I got accepted by Iranian community also because of my what happened when I scored goal against Bahrain I played for the national team so like media makes me like kind of like idol of the Iran you understand what an Iranian Mm -hmm. so I was like kind of got so much respect there. So when I went to Iran, like even I don't know, they don't even know me, but they saw me in news. I was like, oh, this is the guy, blah, 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 blah. Then I was in Philippine. They don't they see me as a Filipino, but because of my look, they see me as a foreigner. You know what I mean? For me, the both sides, they really accepted me. And I never had a problem with different society like this Iranian. And the only thing, we are getting lost between the culture, two cultures. You understand? That's why we feel lonely. That's why Iranians, Iranian Filipino people are really like easy to believe. They easily to get fooled, easily fall in love because they feel lonely, because they feel like they're lost. You know, I have experience with all my sister. I have experience with all of my friends that I know. We are kind of lost between two cultures. And these two cultures are totally far from each other. So, the society will try to treat you different way, but you cannot do anything about it. You are like, kind of look like saying, I am a little bit like an Asian looking girl. So you were like, kind of accepted in this Asia. But when you go to US or you go to Iran, they might say something that, it's not the whole society say something, maybe two, three people say something that really hurts you. And you think that the whole society is like this, which is not maybe only t- unluckily three people you met at this bad timing you know what i'm saying which are not been to other countries or maybe they were just bad your mom is iranian right it's like i this is the rare you know i don't really most of my friends that i have their all fathers are iranian the mother is filipino but yours is totally one of 200 or 100 people i know two i know two of my friends are like the father is Filipino. And I'm sure that it's harder for you. And I don't really get offended with people, what they teach. So I just don't mind them. If ever, they don't respect me.
1: Have you always been this personality? Or do you feel like you developed the side of yourself of being neutral? and?
0: To be honest, I play for the national team. I play since I was 23, four. I was playing for the national team in futsal. And then I went to the national team. And then that makes me learn the culture of each because all my teammates are half. And I flow a lot of countries. That's why I learn how to adjust. But of course, the difficult time I have in my life, I really came from very, very difficult life. It's not like I grew up in hampers and unicorn life of daddy or mommy protection. survival, you have to be humble. to have to be understanding. This is why I adjust. You know, in age of 33, I was 27, I was father already, father of my whole family and my mom. Yeah. Because my dad passed away when I was 27. It's all me taking over all the kids and family.
1: Yeah, and so let's get back to that. So you were living in this uh home in the province, and then your sister saw how you were living. She gave you a lecture, and then... How did she, what happened then? Like what changed after she saw you?
0: Uh, she moved me to my Lola house, my grandmother house. Mm-hmm. There was a room there. Was at least there is a window there. So I stayed there for another three, six months. We, we went to Manila and then we stayed in the España Tower. There's a España Tower in Belcombroton, the near USD. So we rent one, one bedroom house there. So where I started to live, then we eventually become two bedrooms and then three bedrooms, four bedrooms.
1: And now you're in real estate. In the meantime, you were working on your, your football. You kept working on it and working on it enough to have the confidence to qualify or to do the tryouts. For this reason, you didn't attend your own graduation and then you just went full force into football, yeah. even with a low salary at the time. But you started yeah. opening up businesses on the side, which to me is very Persian to do. Yeah. And so you started the taxi business, uh, then Peri, Peri. yeah. And how did that do?
0: Actually, it was very good first few months. And then it felt also because they closed the whole uh, park, food park. It was okay. a food park. And then they okay. closed the whole food park because of the traffic that we made. We created okay. So they closed it down, so I closed it down. <laughs>
1: and then after Perry, Perry, I you're...
0: went to export, import and export. What
1: you know? did you, you import-export?
0: Road. I was trying to export bitumen roads from Iran to Philippines. But because of the sanction, everything is closed also, it's canceled.
1: So you, you did that import-export, and then you did your medical... No, after
0: that, I opened a dental clinic i wouldn't I just did it for my friend you know i just wanted to support him because it was my i don't really make money out of it it's just give him everything and then i i was like okay i'm tired whatever i do i fail in business because i was not hands-on i thought that the best thing that i can do that i'm not there is cryptocurrency i put in money in bitcoin when it was really high so once I put it, it really crashed. <laughs> so <laughs> I bought a lot of Bitcoin when it was in top, like to eighteen dollars or $20,000, and then crashed to And like I, I don't even know where the coins are already because I don't want to check. I don't know who I give it to. So it's gone. Then I was like do or die myself, you know. I was in Malaysia. I was making decent money, good money for the football. And I was like, okay, Mister enough. I am want to retire and focus something that I can hands on. So I started to smash my room because I was sponsored by Nike. So Nike gave me like 250 shoes or I don't know, like 10, 15 shoes a month. I didn't have a space in my room anymore. So I started to smash the room and I tried to connect it to my, you know, hallway so that I have a space bigger in my walking closet, so and connect them together. I think it's in my Instagram. You can see that I'm smashing walls, and people started to make fun of me because because I broke my L five, I broke my spinal, I become paralyzed for one or two months, and then after, right after, I become okay. I, I torn my fully Achilles, so I was kind of depressed. Then I stopped. Then I got cut from the national team because of so many injuries. What year was this? Uh, end of seventeen eighteen. Then I broke up with my ex-girlfriend. So all everything happened at the same time in just two weeks. So, and then I got caught from my club. They don't wanted to pay me. So it was a really disaster. But I, I almost gave up. I was in the point that I wanted even to jump up from the building or something. And then I was like, when I was thinking of that, I said, myself, you've been through shit and do not you don't gonna give up the good things gonna happen so uh, i went to manila somebody took my money stole all my monies also like this so what i did i got depressed kinda then i started to smash the wall myself so then i told i had like like few thousand dollars left that was do or die and then i have look family back of me i have to take care so it's like I told one of my friend, the one who sold the house that I bought for my mom. So I told him, "Hey, you wanna? I wanna build something." It's like he said, "What?" I said, "Are you an architect?" I said, "No." Are you an engineer? I said, "No." I said, "So what are you?" Doing? I said, "Just can you can we show, find me a house?" And I got money from the bank borrowed, and then I have a couple of thousand dollars, and I went as a contractor. I start to smash that house also. So I smashed the house. It took me eight months. It was, I lost so much because I don't know nothing. I get engineered, teach. I learned from architect. I went, Cheyenne is Cheyenne, the other half Iranian, Filipino. He helped me because he's an architect. And Sasan is the one who supplied me the types everything. So it's like all filipino Iranian were trying to help me. Then, yeah, I've, in one year, I finished nine houses.
1: Wow. And so the real estate is going to stick? Yes. Okay.
0: This is going to be like my main job now. Every house has its own personality. based on the view or something. So I like to do those kind of like each house I have. I want to have my own concept.
1: And does your heart start pumping when you start seeing how beautiful all the
0: I, my heart pumps when somebody is buying it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did you know that you were creative until you started building homes?
0: I don't know. I just feel like God gives me also eyes of construction because people they don't see sometimes what I see. Like when I see the old house, let's say they they say, "Ah, oh, yeah, this is an ugly house," but I don't see the ugly house. I see it beautiful house. Like sometimes when my workers or my foreman, my architect, they said, how did you see this? Like, how do you come up with this idea or this, this, this? Maybe I don't know the, how many centimeters, how many meters should be, but I know that that area has to be useful by this. I will imagine always what I want for myself. So, and then I don't work cheap. So that's one of the reasons everything looks like nice. And I sell them kind of fast because what I do is like combination of my two culture of Iranian Filipino. So I try to combine them together. So it's kind of become what I see in Iran and what I see in Philippines and what material we have in Philippines.
1: I've seen your work. It's really stunning, and I think architects have a responsibility to the neighborhood that they're in, you know, and, and I think you can either make a neighborhood more beautiful
0: or what I am doing now. I like to make the village looks more beautiful. I like it. Nice. You know, I like it. I like when people goes there, it's not just about the money. It's about, okay, good job. That's good job for me is enough. It makes me happy.
1: And I think, I think that's um, a responsibility you have Unfortunately, I think sometimes when you're a public figure like you, you put a more pressure on yourself because you know maybe that people are watching. But I think if you already have high standards, it doesn't matter what people think.
0: For me, it's not really matter what people said as much as I'm happy with what I do. And then I feel from my heart, it's kind of what I did It's safe and I use good material for them. It's not yeah. like... I do this because I just want people to say, oh, Misab is good. No, I do this because I want to say to myself, I'm good. Because I want to feel like I'm sat- sat- satisfied for what I've done for my own house.
1: You have been through so much. You've been so resilient. How do you, when you wake up in the morning, you think I'm going to be successful?
0: We all were successful in our life. This is what I feel like, you know, nobody comes no, but we were born successful. This is the first step in life. You know, when you're born, you're already successful. And then whatever God gives you, whatever chances you have, whatever else, you have to do your best. You know, my dad told me that if you want to even be, I don't know, the one who cleaned the road, for example, be the best one. If you want to choose to become police, example, be the best police. If you wanna just clean the, the, the cars or in the car wash, be the best guy in the car wash. So for me, successful is not defined by what, how big your name goes or how much money you have in your account. Not selfful is when you have peace of mind, having peace of mind, you're happy, you achieve the dream that you have. So if you want to have kids, if you are married, if you already have a happy family, as for me, that's the definition of success. Successful is what you want to be, and then you made it. That makes you successful. I wanted to become football players. I made myself as a football player. It doesn't matter how, from how hard I've been through, that makes me a successful person for myself. But for the p- player who are playing in World Cup, doesn't call me a successful person. So definition of successful is different for each, every one of us. So for me, in the end, you have to be happy. If you're happy, if you're, you're blessed, if you have inner peace, that's where you are successful. I, as you know, my life has been not ordinary life. You know, I've been taxi driver, football player, model. I did acting. I was actor in Iran. When I was 14, with Zaher Zakaria, I was also had a movie. I was I was dentist. I was model. I was working in the chicken peri peri cooking. I was football player, futsal player, swimmer, badminton player, then high level billiard player. I'm not saying that I was just playing in the park. I really have metals for all of them. I was triathlete. I was, you know, like runners. I have also record of five years in my college. So I experienced a lot of things. I even been construction workers. I was in import export. I was driving taxi to learn how to become taxi. I was in cryptocurrency, and I'm only thirty two years old. Thirty two years old, and they they said, "How did you do this?" I cannot say I am a successful person. Mm. It's just that. I was looking for the happiness.
1: <laughs> you were searching.
0: I just, I'm a guy who gets bored fast with work. But now I know construction is a good thing. I'm I mature. I was the one who broke the walls to understand why the workers need to rest. So you don't push them. You don't yeah. tell them, why are you resting? Why are you. Uh, I'm so, I was a very athlete guy with a very good muscle condition. I couldn't do it for 30 minutes, smashing the wall. I try to say, okay, you, how can you expect the workers to do it for eight hours? Then when you don't understand the job, don't do the job. That's one of the reasons I've been failing in other jobs. But I'm trying to learn the, the work that I want to go into next one. Yeah. I, for me, that's the definition of successful.
1: When I wanted to have this interview, Misav, I had no idea the... You know, the depth, once I started doing research, your depth, uh, your resilience, your compassion of wanting to help others, of losing everything and just accepting that, your generosity, truly, truly everything you've been through is an inspiration, whether you want to be an inspiration or not. What is your advice for other people like you, like us? who may be in between cultures and in between identity? What is your desire for them and how they should see themselves?
0: It's kind of difficult for people who are half because, I, as I said, we were lost in two culture. We don't know if we should eat the pork in the table or we shouldn't. You know, If we shake hands the person or not. Your mom says it's okay, your dad says it's not. So basically you're lost you're lost, and then you sometimes one side society will not accept you, the other society accepts you, sometimes both society will not accept you, or sometimes both society will accept you. So it doesn't matter, whatever you are or whatever it is, whatever you look, look like, if you're Asian or if you're Middle Eastern yeah, or whatever look, you are, you have to have yourself in strong personality. And always make the lemon, lemonade. lemonade. Mm-hmm. So it, there's two ways in life. Either you cry about it or you fight for it. So what kind of person you want to be? I could cry in a lot of situations in my life. I wasn't even, I have to walk to training after seven to 10, eight hours of school. So I could cry about it and sit in the corner and say, I don't want to be a football player or I keep walking. So if ever you feel this one, this kind of problem comes not physically, it's all mentally. Just look at the beautiful side of your side, side of your culture. If they say something, get it from this ear and get it out from the other one. This is for the young kids. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, I've been bullied a lot in my life. But when you get stronger, don't bully people, you know, just teach them. Just, you know, teach them, educate them like you're doing right now. Never disrespect your culture. If there is bad or good, do not disrespect it. Yeah. Because if you do that, you disrespect yourself.
1: Partially Pinoy is a Podcast Network Asia production in partnership with Bridger Media in Los Angeles. Our show is developed and executive produced by Leila Jerusalem. The series is produced by Nikai Lucanias.